0: What's going on, guys, and welcome back to WrestleRant Radio for Thursday, April 29, 2021. I am Graham G.S. Matthews. Hope you guys are doing well and having a great week. We have another exclusive interview here on the show this week, per usual, this time with former WWE champion and star of Jacob's Wife, available now on various streaming services, See. C- M Punk, A.K. Phil Brooks, is going to be on WrestleRant Radio here today. And that's something I never thought I would say, no, something I never thought would ever actually happen. But we got him. And the article went up two weeks ago on Bleacher Report, if you want to check it out there, um, in article form, also in audio form over on my YouTube channel. So if you're not already subscribed, please do so over at YouTube.com backslash Graham G.S. And Matthews. Um, but we're gonna be airing the audio here today because I enjoyed that conversation so much. talking all about the movie, whether he watches wrestling nowadays, he's been in the news a lot lately about you know wrestling related stuff. Um, I tried to keep the wrestling questions to a minimum. Just wanted to get to know Phil on a personal level between what's he, what he eats and how he stays in shape and whether AJ Lee, his his wife, uh, watches horror movies and watches his work and stuff like that. So I really enjoyed our conversation. I hope you guys will as well. And then after that, we got RJ, Mr. Marceau here on the show to help me break down all the latest in the world of wrestling. If you guys want to check out new episodes of Rant Radio every single week here on Thursdays, you can do so. By finding it, uh, you know, checking out the show at WrestleRant.com, WrestleRantRadio.com, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, iHeartRadio, Google Play, and Podbean. You can rate the show, you can review the show, and subscribe to the show and never miss an episode. As next week, we're going to have on John Cena. It's a 2-1 punch, baby. We got CM Punk this week, John Cena next week. Two weeks ago, or last week rather, we had The Pope. Uh, DePote from NWA, the NWA television champion, obviously known as Elijah Burke as well. He was on the show last week. We had Bianca Belair on a few weeks ago, the all-new SmackDown Women's Champion, among many others. So it's been a very busy time here on WrestleRant Radio lately. If you're not checking out the show weekly, you are missing out. So at this time, please help me welcome the former WWE champion himself, the voice of the voiceless star of Jacob's wife, Phil C.M. Punk Brooks. Graham. Hey Phil, how you doing, man? I am great. How are you doing? Fantastic, Phil Punk. What's the best way to address, to address you? Phil's fine. Phil's perfect. Well, Phil, I just saw your tweet from 15 minutes ago, talking about the rambling answers to wrestling questions and stuff like that. So I'll try to limit that. I know we're going to talk a lot about the movie here today, too.
1: Oh no, no, no! It's 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 quite all right. But I I get off on tangents sometimes. But I just <laughs> you know the the pro, the problem with it is like these weird. You know, the, the, the Twitter wrestling sites that have, like, 14 followers that'll just, like, pick, like, a weird out-of-context quote and run it as a headline, like, yeah. <laughs> it's a living, I guess, you know? Yeah, I
0: don't know. yeah. no, I, I completely understand what you mean. I actually just got back from Mania, so I interact with a lot of these people, like, on the regular. Some of these are good people, but like, like you said, they look for, like, the headlines. Like, you talk one thing about wrestling, it's like, oh, he's going to be back on tonight's post-WrestleMania Raw, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's Mm -hmm. crazy. But let's talk about Jacob's wife, man. Like I said, I just flew back. I literally just got back to my house like 10 minutes ago. And I knew I couldn't miss this. Even my favorite wrestler for a long time, man. And I watched the movie while I'm sitting at the airport in Tampa. And it was quite the experience watching this movie uh, because I got a delay. So it actually worked out perfectly. This was one scary ass movie and you're no stranger to horror movies either. You've done a lot of them. You were in uh, girl on the third floor a couple of years ago, which was also very enjoyable before we get into anything else. Can you kind of talk to me a little bit about how this whole project kind of came about and your involvement in it?
1: Uh, well, Jacob's wife came about because it's the same writer director uh, from girl on the third floor. So I must've done something right. <laughs> the first go around, he wanted to work with me again uh, and I'm fortunate because I, I'm, a, I'm a fan of Travis Stevens. You know, the first time I heard his name in conjunction with me and him wanting to work with me, I was I was kind of blown away because, you know, he was the producer, one of the producers on a documentary about uh, Dudorowski's Dune it's called Duderowski's Dune. And mm-hmm. it was one of my favorite films, documentaries from, you know, a couple of years ago. And so we you know we we headed off, we did one film, and this will be our second time working together and you know knock on wood i, I think I'm gonna be involved in a, a lot of travis's stuff going forward I, I just think he's he's brilliant, he's a great writer uh in a lot of ways he's an even better director, and I think he's just a he's a great creative person to to work with so i'm I'm a lucky dude so yeah,
0: dude.
1: the yeah. process the process was hey, Phil. Uh, You want to be in my next movie, and I said yes.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I guess that's That's the short answer. Yeah, no, that's cool stuff, man. You've been killing it. I mean, this pandemic's been going on for a year now, but you got this going on. You got the season one of the Stephen Amell show. You just wrapped up that too, right?
1: Mm -hmm. Just wrapped on that. I've I've been home for a few days now, and I still have a mullet, so I got to get my hair cut.
0: Oh my God. So I got to address this too, because I know you tweeted about it this a couple days ago. Why do people think, and I didn't know this was from the movie until I watched it today. Why do people think that you became a police officer? Like one of those articles, like, Oh, what are they doing now? Like post wrestling type of stuff. That makes absolutely no sense to me.
1: I don't know, I but I, I love it. You know, <laughs> I'm like, yeah, it's, I guess I'm that one guy that, uh, that wrestling, uh, websites can, can write about ad nauseum and it gets people interested or something like that. You know, me become me being broke and then becoming a cop, uh, or, or just two, two things that I look at and I'm like, uh, I mean, I don't see how either of those are possible because I'm, I've been, I've been smart with money and I'm smart. So
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you're a rare case, man. It's cool because, again, we just wrapped up Mania. But, like, we we had our first show back yesterday, and I was there in one of the press boxes. And you were one of the first people that people were chanting for. Like, the first show back with fans. Like, you know, that's, like, the one thing that WWE doesn't want is, like, the CM Punk chants. And that was the first thing they did in the first five minutes of the show, which was cool. Um, people still love and they miss you, man. So, it's cool. But back to the movie real quick. You know, again, you've done a bunch of horror movie stuff, obviously, doing the Stephen Amell show right now. Do you have any inspirations for getting into the horror movie genre specifically and your whole involvement with that?
1: Uh, I needed, if, if I had to pick a genre of movies that I loved the most, it would be horror, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, and just, just because of my childhood and how I grew up and the things I was attracted to, I was a, I was a huge Fangoria kid when I, you know, like I, I remember sitting in Walden books and my mom would drive me to the mall and, you know, reading the Fangoria cover to cover because I didn't have the money to buy it. And just growing up on horror movies. Uh, so to be involved in the genre and being able to work with great people like the the Saska sisters and, you know, Travis Stevens. And I'm in a movie with Larry Fessenden, Bonnie Aarons and Barbara Crampton. Like it, <laughs> as a kid growing up watching Reanimator and Chopping Mall, like that's, it's fucking crazy.
0: Yeah, no, it's awesome. It's really cool. And again, your part in the movie was great too. Um, as a you know, well-known master of the microphone, what would you say is more difficult, harder to cut a long kind of lengthy promo? Well, you know, the pipe bomb thing is obviously overused, but cut a long promo or, mem- or memorize lines for a movie. Mm. What would I rather do? What, what was more difficult, I guess?
1: Mm, what was more difficult? Yeah. Um, Looking, looking at it now, I mean, I, live, so live television, regardless of whether you, you're you've got a soliloquy or, or you're just you're out there standing, not saying anything, I think live television is always going to be harder than television and film because even though you don't want to be that guy that needs 62 takes and you're not you know, maybe so dialed into that scene you're shooting on any particular day. There's always that comfort of knowing, okay, uh, we can just reset and redo it. Live TV, you got one shot. Mm-hmm. So that's that's a lot more stressful um, and it can, it can keep you up at night. But uh, I, I definitely, you know, I, I, I just did it for so long and was just kind of, I don't want to say, like, I just got good at it. So, you know, I don't have the capacity now to look back at it and think, oh, man, that was really, really hard. That's just what I did every day, Mm -hmm. almost, you know. Um, But it it definitely is. Live TV is definitely harder than, you know, shooting TV or film.
0: No, that makes sense. And at a certain point, I'm sure it just becomes second nature to you, too. Um, With a movie like this, do you watch it back with your wife, obviously known to WWE fans as uh, AJ Lee? Do you watch him movie back like this with her and if so like what are th- her thoughts and not only just the movie itself but like your involvement with movies like this uh, she's not
1: a horror movie fan so um, she'll watch it because I'm in it mm-hmm. um, but she is not a fan of you know blood and gore and being scared at all she, she's the kind of person that will probably watch this film and have nightmares so <laughs> I'll have to make her pancakes the next day
0: fantastic there's a lot of scenes in this movie too where you just don't see it coming i won't spoil anything but for people who check it out it's definitely it's definitely eye-opening so you just got to kind of prepare yourself before you go into it it's cool um you know i know you reported backstage just recently too obviously came back to do that that was probably the first time you would watch wrestling on the regular for you know as like a homework assignment type thing probably since you left Mm -hmm. right
1: yes no one not probably 100 (laughs) percent. that's uh you know I'd watch my wife's stuff uh, the year after um, I was already gone while she was wrapping up. But like, yeah, I, I watched I watched WWE television for the first time in six, seven years to be, be able to formulate an opinion <laughs> for backstage.
0: No, it's funny too. And you just started watching it again for that show and you would never know that you stopped watching it. Like your your insider knowledge and everything and all the newer guys and stuff like that. It's just so fascinating to hear about. Like I would only tune into the show. It was a good show, but just to hear your opinions most of the time. Uh, with the show having been canceled or on hiatus, whatever, we haven't seen in the show in a while. Do you still tune into the shows at all once in a while or no, not really, especially with no fans? I know it's obviously a different experience.
1: Yeah, I do not. Um, I, I, I think whatever I, I know, I know just strictly off of, uh, social media, you know, yeah. just because it's, it's still, it's, it's, I mean, it's huge on social media. So it's, it's, somebody does something relatively newsworthy and it's, it's, it's in my feed. So I'll, I'll keep up with it that way
0: or <laughs> well, every time like the Royal Rumble comes around, I'm sure they're tagging you and stuff like, Oh, is he going to be number 30? Like that type of stuff. But I guess that's just like the nature of, of wrestling fans, you know? Um, that being said too, is there anyone still in the business that you talk to on the regular? Um, I mean, maybe not in the regular, but maybe like on the occasional, like, Hey, I saw this is what you did. Good stuff on this. Anyone that you might keep tabs on once in a while without actually watching the actual product. You know what I mean?
1: Um, I, I talked to Renee. <laughs> but I don't. I don't know <laughs> if she's even. She is she in the business? I don't no, honestly, know. No, honestly, I don't even no, know. She's anymore. gone
0: now. Yeah, she loved WWE. Yeah, but you know, she still counts. She's good. She's awesome. So uh, no, it's funny. She is. Say. Yeah, no, she's just fantastic. Um, With stuff like this, I mean, you're you're playing a police officer in a movie like this. You got to still be keeping in shape for a role like this, right? Because you're looking great. I mean, looking at this picture right now on your Twitter feed that you, that you took for the Stephen Amell show, and you're still in great shape. Is it still kind of the same regiment that you were in while you
2: were wrestling?
1: Uh, I mean, I still I, I still train um, tons of tons of MMA stuff, doing jujitsu when I can. COVID's kind of put a, a huge damper on mm-hmm. a lot of that. I haven't, uh, you know, because I, I got to stay away from my wife if I if I travel or if I do anything like that. So, um, you know, the the one steady job I've got is doing commentary for CFFC. So a lot of the times. I'm in Philadelphia where the shows are and I'm training with guys then because I got to stay away from ape when I come home anyway. So, yeah. uh, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm the kind of guy that, that works out. I do at least something every day. And a lot of it is just because if I don't, um, if I don't get the blood moving, I, you know, I'll get a headache. I'll feel like junk. Uh, and also it, it, uh, I work out too much to support my eating habits.
0: <laughs> no that makes sense what's like your go-to junk food because for me it's like Cheez it's or a bag of like Lay's chips or something
1: so with all the traveling i've been doing it really depends on where i'm at mm-hmm. right so i was in a, i was in atlanta for an extended amount of time shooting heels just a, a lot of that is because of covid protocols you know there's a lot of quarantine involved you're getting you're getting a, a, a nose swab every day um So when I came home, it was like I hadn't had what I had been accustomed to, what I was, I guess, taking for granted, you know, like the Chicago pizza and, you know, Stan's donuts and, and all kinds of stuff. If I if I have a go to, though, like my wife has been absolutely murdering it, making all kinds of fun treats. I'm talking like guava empanadas and pumpkin pancakes and she's baking cookies and she's just. She's really gotten into this lately, and I'm uh, the the sole uh, recipient of all these de- amazing delicious treats. so I don't even have to go out like it's it's just like a constant supply of delicious
0: goodies and I'm here for it. Jesus, now I'm hungry just hearing that because it's like seven o'clock over here on the East Coast. I'm starving. Uh last couple questions for you, man. I absolutely love this about you, and I'm glad that you do this. That how you talk about or you don't talk about rather like things that you got going on until they actually happen. Like you're that type of person where if you like get something really cool, you land a big role, you don't want to tell anyone until it comes to be because it's something might get canceled. You know what I mean? Like in speaking you today, I don't yeah. tell anyone that I'm talking to you until we do it. You know what I'm talking about? And so just so it doesn't disappoint people. Who are like the go-to people that you tell to that you talk to about projects like this like hey I'm doing this project I don't want to tell I don't want to go public with it until it happens but who are like the go-to people outside of your wife or is that it
1: uh oh no no I mean I, I got a I got a small circle of people that that know you know what I'm doing at all times but I, yeah. I just I feel like especially in this era of social media everybody overshares. you know what I mean mm-hmm. it's just like everything's you know Hey, I'm at the gym. Hey, I'm doing this. Hey, here's the food I'm eating, you know, and I won't speak on a project unless um, it's already been spoken about by somebody else. Like Stephen Amell tweeted that I was doing heels. So I was like, okay, I can talk about this now, but you weren't going to hear shit from me about it until (laughs) the show aired, you know, just because not only do I feel people overshare and that also could jinx stuff. I always feel like, especially in TV and movie land, when stuff is finally coming out, I've already moved on to the next one, two, three, four projects, right? You're always working on something next. And then you kind of get your flowers when, you know, Jacob's wife's coming out on Friday. And Mm -hmm. now I'm get to talk about it and do it. But, you know, we filmed that a year ago. That's the way things work. I've filmed like three different things in the span of waiting for it to come out. And, you know, there'll be a time when I get to talk about all those things. I also don't want to be that person that's always like, Hey guys, doing something cool. And that doing (laughs) something cool could be, you know, getting my car out of the impound, uh, you know, or it could be something else. And I, I just don't like, I, that could be like a wrestling thing i feel like a lot of wrestlers are always doing that and yep. i just don't want to be that guy you know I, and i would much rather be like hit you over the head on one day with like you know two big projects oh here's jacob's wife and oh by the way i did heels and I, I just feel like that's a, a smarter savvy business way to handle things
0: The movie comes out on Friday. Phil, just want to say thank you for the time. I had the chance to meet at StarCast a couple of years ago. I showed you a picture of, uh, I I used to put my diplomas every time I would graduate college, high school, master's degree. I put all this stuff in my fridge. Like you put the title in your fridge. I thought it was hilarious. So I would do the exact same thing. But uh, this has been awesome. I love that. Yeah. I just want to let you know, but uh, yeah, this has been great, dude. Uh, you've always been one of my top three people to talk to, so I appreciate it. But it's been cool shit, checking all these movies. Jacob's uh, wife comes out on Friday. People can check it out. This has been awesome, dude. Um, yeah, thanks so much, Phil. I appreciate the time.
1: No problem. Thank you for uh, the interview. appreciate you. Thank you.
0: To say that interview was a dream come true, for as cliche as that sounds, would absolutely be an understatement. It was so cool chatting with Phil about all things... Wrestling, horror movies, eating, and all stuff like that. So, again, you can check out the audio as it first aired on YouTube. Two weeks ago over on youtube.com backslash Graham GSM Matthews. And also an article form over on Bleach Report. Again, from two weeks ago, right after WrestleMania 37. Now, this time, let's welcome on Mr. Marceau to help me break down all the latest in the world of wrestling. Mr. Marceau, brother, how you doing?
2: Doing well, GSM. How are you?
0: Doing excellent. Excited for draft day today? Can't wait. So who you got going over? I mean, who you got going over? Like, we're fucking talking about pay-per-view predictions here. Who you got going where? What are your picks? I'm going for the Chiefs here. Uh, looks like they're going to be doing pretty well in terms of the selection process. So what are your predictions for draft day today?
2: I mean, I think Trevor Lawrence going number one as a, a lock. Uh, I think that's, that's a definite. Um, same with Zach Wilson. I think that's going to be the one, too uh third third the third pick's gonna really where it's gonna start where the draft's gonna get interesting so if you guys have nothing to do make sure you tune in around like 8 30 because that's probably when that pick will happen so that will be the big shake shifter in the draft and hopefully it doesn't mess anything up for your chiefs
0: <laughs> hopefully not who do you think is getting the best of the draft this year
2: um we'll see i mean a few teams i know uh, miami and the jets uh and baltimore all both have uh Two first round picks. So, I mean, that's that's where the, that's where uh going to make those picks matter. I mean, you get those impact players. So if you got two shots at him, you can't really mess them up, or you might be like the uh, impact wrestling of the NFL.
0: <laughs> Speaking of which, I'll probably be watching that tonight while the draft is going on. I told you before we started here. I'm going to try the split screen, watch the draft, watch some impact. Kenny Omega, the new impact champion coming out of Rebellion on Sunday. You pumped?
2: No, I don't care.
0: You're not going to start watching the show because Omega's the champion now?
2: I I would never watch. I'm over unless Gail Kim came out of retirement. I'll <laughs> never watch it ever
0: again. I think she popped up in a segment. I want to say recently. Um, it may not have been like her specifically. Like I know she was in the ring, but like I don't know if it was about her. I think she was just out there as an agent. Um, she came out of retirement. I told you to watch the match, and I think you saw it. Her and Tessa a few years ago, and it was a great match. Um, I know there's been talk of her and Deanna Perazzo at some point, maybe. I think Gail Kim wants the match. Deanna, I'm sure, would want it, too. It's a matter of whether Impact would do it. Um, But maybe at some point down the road. But, um, yeah, no, Kenny Omega is now new Impact champion coming out of the pay-per-view on Sunday. You didn't watch the match, right? You haven't seen any clips from it?
2: I saw the two botches they had besides that.
0: (laughs) Okay, the botches were unfortunate. Otherwise, though, it was a really good match. Um, I would recommend people check it out. We'll see what happens. Obviously, Omega didn't show up on AEW this week wearing the Impact gold, but that's because it was taped last week. Um, I would love to see some sort of like invasion type thing where we see a Rich Swan or an Eddie Edwards or a Will- or a Willie Mac show up on Dynamite. The thing is, is that they already have so many people. One, they don't really need the Impact talent. Two, what are they really benefiting from it? I mean, that being AEW, not Impact, because Impact is obviously the beneficiary in this relationship. And three. Uh, it, it depends what the end game is here. Uh knowing what you know about the Impact roster, how do you see this ending? When do you see Omega dropping the championship? Does he relinquish it? Is there someone in mind who you think he could drop it to?
2: I mean, I just feel like at this point from the relationship so far, I feel like AEW's just doing this so they can have the good brothers. I mean, besides that, they don't really make any reference to t- Impact. I mean, when when they were the tag team champions, I think I think they wore the belts on AEW. You they did. Pre- they did so. I mean, I mean, I just think that's the only reason why they're really doing this—to have them paired with Omega. I mean, besides that, what what else is the benefit for for them? They don't really bring them up, or I mean, I guess they have Omega. Like the only thing AEW is really getting is, I guess, they're promoting on Impact. But like, it's not like they have the biggest audience of all time, and then they're just using the Good Brothers. Yeah, Omega's on the show, but like I said I, I don't really think it's bringing too many more people to watch the show than that they already were watching it.
0: The weekly show, no, but I did see from Meltzer that the pay-per-view did very a very good buy rate. Their best buy rate in a while. I'm not sure if it was better than Slammiversary where they were promoting like ex-WWE people, which is exactly what they're doing for this year's Slammiversary, too. They put out a vignette or a video package, whatever, that teased the likes of Chelsea Green and Samoa Joe, and uh, they showed the Australian flag and the Mexican flag for Kalisto um, and the Iconics, and then they showed a clip of... Naito and Okada and people like that so um, yeah I, I don't know how many of those people are actually going to show up I, I could probably bank on Chelsea Green going to Impact we talked a little bit about this last week just because Matt Cardona her fiance is there uh, Samoa Joe is unlikely but for a one off I think it'd be fucking awesome because I love Samoa Joe and Impact back in the day but at any rate, we'll see. I think I think Impact is benefiting in terms of their pay-per-views and stuff like that. I think Hard to Kill did a pretty good buy rate where he was in action a few months ago. Um, if they can bring him in for like their monthly specials and their pay-per-views to work matches with the Impact roster and put on some really good matches before ultimately putting over a guy like Moose, for example, um, I think that'd be cool. But is it safe to say we're probably not going to see him lose the championship until after he loses the AEW title at some point?
2: I think that'd make the most sense. I mean... Because then if he was losing to someone at Impact, it would kind of make them seem more uh, inferior than, than the AEW roster. So I think he'll lose the AEW title before he loses the Impact one.
0: Yeah, I think so too. It's, it, I don't know if it would make them look inferior, but you want to see that first loss, that first singles loss for Omega for a really big moment. I don't know when the last time he lost one-on-one even was. Um, I know he lost his fair share of matches when he was an attack team. With Paige, they dropped the tag titles at uh, at the August all-out pay-per-view, or September, whenever it was. Was that a
2: full year against uh, Moxley?
0: Honestly, it might have been. It might have been, because I think they said that he went undefeated one-on-one all year in 2020. Obviously, he hasn't lost this year, so it might have been. And the thing with that was that, technically, from a storyline standpoint, it didn't count, so... Um, you know, before that he lost the pack at all out and he lost to Jericho at double or nothing, but we're going back to 2019. So I'd have to go back and check on that. You might be right though. So they're obviously playing the long game here with their longer stories and stuff. Um, obviously it's Adam page or it should be Adam page to be the one to take the championship from him, but we're still a ways off from that. We'll get to dynamite and where page is going coming off his loss with Brian cage on Wednesday night. Um, two things I did want to bring up quickly: Are you more excited for draft day today or Andrade's first post WWE match? Do you know who it's with?
2: Oh yeah, it's with uh, El the, the Patron. Can't wait.
0: I saw a tw- I-, I saw a tweet on Twitter like yesterday. I forgot who had tweeted it, so I I failed to give credit here. So I apologize. <laughs> but basically, someone had said that you know Andrade, a very rare case, dude, of someone who has no post-WWE 90-day no-compete clause. Like, he can go anywhere he wants right now. He could show up on Dynamite, he could show up on Impact, Ring of Honor, and he's wasting his first appearance back, first match back, with Alberto fucking Del Rio. Wasn't this guy supposed to be in jail by now?
2: I was literally going to say, I thought he was going to be in the clank. Uh,
0: yeah, someone, had, I think, had said that he's going to court for it, or trial, or whatever, like, this week or next week or next month or some shit like that, like listen, I'm sure Andrade, I don't know how closely he follows that shit, but you know, that falls on him too, because he agreed to do it, Del Rio had clarified how the match came about when he asked Andrade about it, and Andrade said, yes. Yeah, so I don't know, if I'm a wrestler right now I wouldn't touch this guy with a 10 foot pole that being Del Rio, El Patron, whatever the fuck you want to call him, that is just disappointing, very disappointing if you asked me five years ago, I'd be like oh, that's pretty cool, but like In 2021, given the current circumstance with uh, Del Rio, it's not something I'm overly interested in. Uh, And again, for Andrade to just... I don't know. I think it's uh, maybe he's got other stuff going on or he just wanted to take the time to relax. Like, Why even work out the 90-day no-compete clause? Why even get rid of that? Um, In his case, because he probably fought for that to not be the case. Why even do that when... I just... I don't know. When you're just going to waste it on a fucking indie match as opposed to not going to a bigger platform like an AEW or, again, an Impact or a Ring of Honor or anywhere else, really. But, I don't know, that's just bizarre to me. But more power to him. We'll see how it ends up. I I know I, for sure, will not be watching the match. Uh, one more thing before we get to Raw from this past week, which was an absolutely abysmal show. We'll get into why it was one of the worst of the year. Um, this was a bit of um, breaking news from the at WrestleVotes Twitter account that has some pretty good insider knowledge about stuff. They had mentioned uh, hearing a hot SummerSlam location rumor that would excite a ton of people but not at liberty to disclose yet simply because those discussions are still in flux. However, considering many cities are starting to lift restrictions, I wouldn't expect any announcement prior to June. So they had also responded to someone in the comments saying Boston... And the guy said, doubtful. So it's probably not going to be Boston, which sucks. I would imagine they will be back in Boston for SummerSlam just because they were supposed to be here for last year, and they like to make it up to the cities that they promised a pay-per-view ship for or show for or whatever. So if it's not going to be Boston, by that logic, a hot SummerSlam, uh, hot SummerSlam location, assuming they can't have fans there, what would you assume that would be? Maybe a Texas? I mean, they're going to Texas next year for Mania. Um, I don't know if it would be elsewhere in Florida. When you hear that, what what are your initial thoughts?
2: Uh, when I hear hot summer, I immediately think of Miami, Florida.
0: That would make sense. I don't know. I just think they might go out of Florida just because I'm not sure why the person would make a big deal about it. But do you expect fans to be back in the building by that point?
2: I mean, they're already doing 100% fans in Florida now, so I, I, I could see it.
0: I was going to say, we're, we got draft day coming up. You must be pretty pumped between draft day and that awesome UFC pay-per-view last week.
2: Oh, it was amazing! It was I, I forgot to ask
0: you about. It. I mean, I know I texted you about it, but how how great were those last three knockouts?
2: Oh, they were amazing! I usually go through like I usually have my uh, go to streams, and they're all shut down, so I actually had to pay. I had to pay up for it, and it was definitely worth it. I mean, it was great, great knockouts, great there the crowd, just the crowd back alone was amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, just like kind of got that more authentic feel than kind of just I don't know, just like. Even with no fans, it just kind of felt like more like backyard, like low, minorly grungy kind of uh, fighting. But now that they had the full crowd back and the whole kind of theatrics. It was amazing.
0: No, it looked great. Um, you know, I thought, given, given the fact that it's Florida, I wasn't too surprised with the fact that it was a packed house. But, you know, it obviously added to the atmosphere because not only was it a, a good main event card from what it looked like, a lot of people responded very favorably to the point where people were calling it one of the best pay-per-views they had done in years.
2: Mm-hmm. So Yeah, the whole main the whole main car was great, so I can't complain.
0: No good stuff. Uh, and then you get Raw on Monday, which was the exact opposite. We won't have to go match by match here, but just an overall just terrible show. I mean, just to kick off the show, we literally had the same opening segment this week as they did last week with the rolls reversed this time. Instead of McIntyre going one on one with T Bar and Mace It was Braun Strowman going one-on-one with T-Bar and Mace after Drew refused to tag with him or some shit, but he came out anyway. Fucking stupid. Um, They did the tag team match, T-Bar and Mace winning by DQ, or countout rather, beating Strowman and McIntyre. This entire thing a waste of time, but what's worth noting about this was that after last week, Mace and T-Bar got unmasked. We talked about it. I asked you if they would be damaged goods. You said yes. I said no. So they come out this week, no masks, but they're still wearing the stupid face paint. Someone had said it was the same face paint they were wearing during Retribution. I don't know if that's true or not, but the face paint is dumb. They're still doing the dumb accents. The gear is different. Dijakovic is wearing trunks now, but God, the face paint is fucking death. I just could not look at that and think of anything other than The Ascension.
2: Yeah, I mean, I immediately tweeted out. I said, what's this, the ripoff of LOD or The Ascension? It was awful. It's not the same either, because I feel like, Dijakovic, when he had his mask, it was, like, around his eyes. This one was more, like, lines on his forehead and his face. It just... I just don't get it. I... Oh, my goodness. And I just... They kept the same, like, Retribution music. Like, the shut it down. It's yeah. awful. Terrible. Mm-hmm. And I just... I don't, I don't know. I figured, like, hopefully once they got the mask taken off, they would just go back to their original names and kind of get rid of the goofy face pain the mask and the whole thing but like you said they're still talking and the accents they, they look not the same still pretty similar i just and this match was a waste of 10 minutes at first and then they had the dq and then like you said uh drew comes out to help them, and then it just was stupid i'm sorry i mean it just was dumb and it served no purpose
0: And then, aside from building to the tag team match in the main event, which, again, no one was really left looking forward to, but if that wasn't bad enough, we then got a worse segment with Miz TV. It was Miz, Morrison, Elias, Jackson Riker, all singing, doing some dumb shit, only to be interrupted by Damian Priest and The New Day. I love Damian Priest. I enjoy The New Day, but their act is so stale and cold by this point, I just not... I I don't really know how anyone can really bring themselves to care. Um, But they started to throw tomatoes at the heels, leading to an impromptu six-man tag, or not impromptu, I'm sorry, this was already advertised, um <clears throat> immediately, you know, segued into the six-man tag team match that saw Damian Priest and New Day beat Elias, Riker, and Miz in six-man tag team action. I mean, this was just horrid.
2: Oh my God. I, I, I had to stop watching Raw after this. I had to take a break. It was so bad. No one cares. Like Miz and, the Mo- and Morrison, I like Morrison. Miz is a fucking joke. feel bad for the guy at this point. I mean, he's definitely a company guy, so he doesn't just like... I think he just goes along with it because I think he's just a company guy. But I don't-,
0: I, I don't think I've ever heard him say a bad thing about how they've booked him over the last 10 oh, years. Oh,
2: my God, this was horrible. And then, like you said, they did the whole fucking Damien and New Day come out with the tomatoes. And, like, how can you take the guys they're facing seriously after they're fucking flopping around like fish because they're going to hit with tomatoes. It was just stupid. I feel bad for these guys. It just it was horrible TV as normal for Raw, and it literally was probably one of the worst first hours of Raw I've ever seen.
0: But it wasn't over. That's not it. So the hour was not over yet. We got Charlotte Flair, who was suspended last week, and the rumor, which was not confirmed, but it was rumored I think via Alex McCarthy of um, TalkSport, that she had to take time off to do dental work, or something along those lines, which very well may be true, um, and maybe she'll still be doing that. I don't know. But she was back the very next week. They didn't allow this to, you know, wait a week to let it sink in, or to digest or whatever. They've done shit like this, by, like this before, but it doesn't make it any better. It's still stupid. Why even run the angle um, if you're just going to do this? And the whole thing with this segment where Charlotte Flair got reinstated here by Sonya Deville was that none of it really made any sense, so... A couple of things, real quickly. The whole bringing her back a week later—it's like when they fire people. Like, oh, a loser gets fired, and they bring him back a week later, or a loser gets suspended, and they never actually leave TV, like John Cena. Um, that <laughs> happened. That happens a lot. But with this segment, two things. One, you know, they had the referee apologize to Charlotte for not seeing that she got screwed last week in the match against Oscar by Rhea Ripley, and I was thinking. You know, they they did that to make Charlotte look like a heel, whatever. And then I thought, because they actually said here, they made it the point to say that that same referee would be refereeing her match later on in the show against Mandy Rose. Now, if I unless I missed something here, that never came back into play. It wasn't like the Triple H-Earl Hebner story from 20 years ago when they did that exact same thing where Earl screwed Triple H out of the win. Now, that was intentional. And then Triple H like beat him up and whatever. And they fired him in storyline, and I'm sure he was back the next week. But, you know, they they had him come back out for her match later on, and they never acknowledged it again. So it was just a pointless segment where the referee was left looking like an idiot. And then not only that, but Sonya Deville was the one to reinstate Charlotte. It wasn't even Adam Pearce. Now, I thought Sonya was SmackDown exclusive. I thought she was only the assistant to Pearce on SmackDown because she's been in the picture now for a few months. We, I don't think, have ever seen her on Raw. It's only been on uh, SmackDown. So... For her to come out here, and it's been said before that she's the assistant to the SmackDown GM. She's the assistant, not to the GM, to the SmackDown official, Adam Pearce, whatever, the WWE official. So why is she allowed to overrule him, and then Adam Pearce can't do anything about it? That's the part that doesn't make any sense to me. It was just incredibly stupid. I thought this entire segment was just awful, too.
2: Yeah, it makes no sense. Like you said, she's always been like his assistant. Even though we really don't know why he's like GM, they never really uh, kind of tied up those loose ends. Or just like, oh, WWE official, like what, like the whole thing with the whole WWE official, stupid because they've never really tied the like gave us like they never. It's not like Vince said, oh, he's gonna be the head official when what he says goes on TV or something yeah. like that. They just one random little week he popped up and they're like, oh, WWE official Adam Pierce. I like Adam Pierce, but like. They just make him look like, like a fucking loser. He's like the loser GM that like has no power. If like Now may, uh, Sonya's going to come in and just like overrule him. And like you said, um, he could have easily just been like, no. But then he just like kind of took it. I don't know. It just made no sense. It just added on to just a horrible Raw classically.
0: I mean, this Raw was not good. But the worst part was easily that first hour. Like, it's not even close. This was one of the worst first hours in Raw history. Which, again, is saying a lot considering the state of Raw in the last year. But... I mean, this shit just keeps getting worse. It's like the lows keep getting lower.
2: It was a tough, tough episode to watch. I mean, I think there's some stuff later on that was a little a little bit better, mm-hmm. but that first hour just left a really bad taste in my mouth.
0: It was atrocious. Um, I, I, I texted you, and this is a shoot. I was literally falling asleep while watching the show. Uh, nothing on this show really compelled me at all to keep watching or want to keep watching, but of course I will. Um, so we have Carrillo interrupting Sheamus to set up that match at some point. That I was fine with, because Sheamus beat the shit out of him last week, so Carrillo got his revenge here, probably setting up a match non-title for next week. I was okay with that. So, again, like I said, we won't go segment by segment here, because a lot of the show is just a bunch of nothing. Um, they did have more women on the show this week, compared to last week, but, you know, the six-woman tag team match wasn't very good. Charlotte and Mandy Rose was what it was. Um, Two things I did want to bring up before we get to other things here on the show. Um, But we did have Riddle and Randy Orton after Riddle beat Orton last week. They teamed up this week to defeat the duo of Cedric Alexander and Shelton Benjamin. Now, does this team have any legs at all? Does it have any potential? Or is it just a waste of time? Because I'm in the camp that is actually entertained by this. And while makeshift tag teams are so beyond overdone, especially in a company like AEW that doesn't need makeshift tag teams when they already have a million actual tag teams... With WWE, they don't have a lot of teams. They don't really have anything for Orton or Riddle to do right now. So, honestly, for me, I'm fine with this. I, I'm excited to see where it goes.
2: Yeah, I'm fine with this as well. I mean, like you said, I don't think they really have anything for either guy at this point. So, putting them in a team, I think it could be entertaining. Um, it's I'll at least give it a shot. We'll see.
0: I'm willing to give it a shot. I don't know if we're going to be seeing them as Raw Tag Team Champions. Who are the current champions? Oh, AJ and Omas, who you would never know are the champions because we haven't seen them since WrestleMania. Um, there's definitely something going on there. Like, one of them was hurt or had COVID or something because, I don't know, there's no reason creatively why you would leave them off the show. And when you have one of your biggest stars on the roster and AJ Styles, he's a champion, and they're already struggling to fit, you know, to fill three hours of the show, even with the roster they have. <clears throat> um, but what other thing I did want to bring up from Raw, that being Braun Strowman beating Drew McIntyre to be added to the WWE Championship match at WrestleMania Backlash next month. Um, now it's a triple threat Strowman, McIntyre, Lashley. Was this the best call? I mean, I thought it was a good match. They worked well together here. I hated the interference at the end, but it was what it was to protect McIntyre in defeat. Um, yay or nay on Strowman being added to the Championship match of the pay-per-view?
2: Uh, I'm saying nay. I, I really don't understand why you're adding them there. We don't. We just had a three-way dance at WrestleMania. Do we need another one? It's gonna be interference. It's gonna be whatever. I just, I'm. I just. I'm honestly. I'm. I like triple threats. I just. I feel like they've been done to death lately, especially in WWE. So, I, I, I couldn't be more against this.
0: Yeah, you know, the thing with Strowman is that I think he might make it a better match, and, and, and well, I think McIntyre and Lashley have had great matches on their own before, so it makes it different, but from a booking standpoint, yeah, he's coming off a win over Shane, so he has some momentum, but it just doesn't really feel necessary. Do you think the only reason why he's in there is to take the pin from whoever wins?
2: It's possible, but like I said, the stream is already, like, Drew already lost to him, so to Lashley once so it's like at that point like what, what what's another one gonna do at that point but I guess I just think it's just la- it, like if he, that's the reason you're putting Strowman in there just lazy booking he has no business being in there in general
0: mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not even advocating they should have done this but wouldn't it made more sense to have the triple threat first and then Lashley and McIntyre second because then you can say oh Strowman got pinned McIntyre was never beaten and then you build the singles match where Lashley wins clean like that would make more sense to me yeah,
2: yeah I, I don't know maybe they just their are booking lately has been pretty questionable to say the least so mm-hmm. it, it might have been a last minute decision but yeah I, I think you would have done the triple threat thir- first then set up that he never got beat and then then but they had to get Shane on the card so that's what happens
0: <laughs> yeah it's the obligatory Shane McMahon Wrestlemania match um, we get to a show that was a lot better in NXT on Wednesday which again I thought overall was enjoyable I think both brands both AEW and NXT have greatly benefited from being on different nights so far um, again, not a blowaway show by any means. They are setting up several things for the next few weeks. But we had Mercedes Martinez beating Dakota Kai by DQ to set up Martinez and Raquel Gonzalez for the NXT Women's Championship uh, in two weeks. We have an NXT Women's Tag Team Title match um, next week with The Way or The Way Moon and Blackheart. It feels like they only have like three women's tag teams. Like, doesn't this doesn't this essentially solidify that it was a dumb decision to introduce tag titles for the women because they have no teams?
2: Yeah, I, I mean, I don't think anyone is really a fan of it to begin with. The ro- like the main roster tag teams, they don't have any, so why would you intertwine it? I don't know, it makes no sense, so. Mm-hmm. It, <laughs> I don't get it, I don't know, that's all I can say. It's, <laughs> it's stupid to have on the main roster now, and stupid to have them on NXT. They have no teams.
0: They have no teams, they're just doing the same team. They've literally already done the way, Moon and Blackheart, three times. Next week will be the fourth. And I assume the way wins, because why else would you just keep doing the same match over and over unless they were going to win one, so I assume that's what happens. But we had the main event, Legado del Fantasma beating Kushida and MSK in a very good six-man tag. Um, Adam Cole got interviewed. I was hoping they wouldn't do this just because it's still a little too soon after TakeOver. He got the shit kicked out of him. I would have waited a little longer to bring him back. And it looks like they're continuing the feud with O'Reilly. Now, if the match at TakeOver was a standard singles match... I would say, obviously, continue it, because they have great chemistry. Why wouldn't you continue it? But it's like the same thing with, like, Organo and Chop a few years ago, where they do the unsanctioned match first, and then you do it... It's just, it's backwards booking to me. It's ass-backwards booking to me, and I just don't understand why you would continue the feud after already doing the blow-off initially.
2: Yeah, I mean, it makes no sense. It's like with AEW, well, we don't know what's going to happen at Double and they do, like, Moxley and Omega again. I mean, they're still feuding right now, but it's like... The death match, or like that, unsanctioned, or Mm -hmm. Big Fly, like that's supposed to be like the end all be all. Like, that's supposed to end the feud. Not keeping it going, it's just like, what else can you do? And I know in the Gargano chat, but like they basically did more like no, no count out, like no disqualifications, like those kind of matches. But it's like, that should be like the end game. It shouldn't be, you shouldn't be starting off with that. It makes no sense.
0: Nah, I don't understand why wrestling companies do that. And the matches were great, but, like, if, if you're going to continue the feud and hopefully ahead of time you would know whether you're going to continue it or not, why would you start with a match where it's, like, it's supposed to be the culmination of the feud? I just don't understand that. Um, how big of a loser is Tony Storm at this point? In terms of, like, how she's booked, I think Tony Storm is excellent, but, I mean, she cannot, she she not only at this point can't win the big ones, she can't win the little ones either. Because she lost to Zeta Ramir, I believe is how you pronounce her name. Never heard of her before. I think she's been on the show as an enhancement talent. They signed her. Um, she had a good shooting star press, but, like, I feel like this does a lot more to hurt Storm than it does to help Ramir. Because it was a fluke win due to interference, due to um, um, a fucking distraction from Zoe Stark. I thought this was terrible.
2: Yeah, I mean, I didn't hate it as much as you did. I mean, she hasn't been booked lately good, but, like, the way they set up is, like, to set up a fluke win, and then Storm has, like... Basically, you can just beat the shit out of Stark. I don't know. I didn't hate as much. I mean, they're not really doing much with her anyway, so I I get it. But, um, yeah, it is what it is. I mean, I didn't hate as bad because I feel like the whole point of it was to, like, set up her and Stark again. So
0: No, yeah, I mean, I I would almost be okay with it if Storm beat Stark in the first place. Like, Stark has already beaten Storm. I know Stark got beaten up by Storm, like, a week or two ago. on, On last week's show, she got the shit kicked out of her. But, like, Stark has already beaten her, so... I just don't know at this point, after losing to Ramir and then Stark the first time, how much he's really going to gain from beating Storm again. Maybe Storm wins, and then she gets set up to face uh, Sarai, or Saray, maybe, I'm not sure. We'll see, but uh, one more thing from NXT before we uh, move on to Dynamite. Bronson Reed beating Austin Theory in a fine match, but Reed is now the new number one contender, or again... The next number one contender to the uh, North American Championship. Do you think he takes the title this time, or do you think it's just another successful title defense for Gargano?
2: Uh, I just, I, I, I think Bronson should win. Um, I mean, I don't know why you do this again. Like he just faced them for the Bell and Law, So like, why was he facing them? like someone? I don't know. It makes no sense. But uh, I think it's the time. I, 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 like Gargano, but I mean, eventually you got to move on, bud. So hopefully they put on Reed. Like I said, I like Gargano,
0: but, I mean... I mean, I feel like Ciampa's in the same boat. Like, every time I see him come out, I'm like, why isn't he on... I know he's not on the main roster at this point, but, like, you literally have done everything you can do with this guy. He went for the North American or the fucking United Kingdom title because they've done everything they could do with this guy.
2: Yeah, I don't don't, don't really get it at this point. I I would just call (laughs) him up at this point, but, like, so there's probably nothing for them to
0: do. Yeah, probably. Um, So we get to Dynamite for Wednesday, which, again, I thought was another very good show. I think both shows have been a lot better since moving on their own nights. And and Dynamite stayed right where it was at. But um, I thought this was uh, was a good show. But let's get your criticism out of the way right off the bat with uh, Brian Cage beating Adam Page. Page versus Cage. Cage wins clean, technically. So he attacked Adam beforehand, before the bell. So... That, to me, is why it was fine that Cage won. Because I feel like, as we already established before we got going here, that I feel like they did this because they have to justify why Adam Page is not getting the next title shot, a double or nothing. They have to have him drop in the rankings at least a little bit. So him losing here, I'm fine. I thought Cage was the right person to beat him because Team Taz desperately needs momentum. We talked about this all the time. They're a classic example of a team they build up to lose all the time. So I'm glad he won here. He won relatively clean. You can build a rematch, maybe the pay-per-view or a tag team match, maybe Page and Paige and Christian Cage versus the other Cage, Brian Cage and Ricky Starks or some shit. Um, but yeah, so I like this. I didn't mind this, but you did not on the other hand. So explain why.
2: No, I am just I just thought it was stupid because, like I said, I feel like the only reason he lost it here is because people have been bringing up lately how... It makes no sense with the rankings that he's undefeated and hasn't even got a title shot. So I feel like the only reason he lost was just like, oh, look, he lost. But, like, that's the problem with the rankings. If if they didn't show on the week, every week, that he was undefeated and he hadn't lost all year, the, I mean, yeah, people probably would be like, oh, he hasn't lost all year. But it just, like, it wouldn't be so much in your face of them saying, like, oh, yeah, he's number one contender. Like, he's been number one contender all fucking year and he hasn't even had a title shot yet. So I feel like they did this, like you said, to drop him down a little bit. And, like, I love I love Team Taz. I mean, I couldn't be a bigger bigger fan of them. But, like, I just feel like it's not like they're, like, on fire right now. Like they're, like, one of the top heel teams. And, like, him, they, like, fucked him over and they cheated a win. And, like, oh, like, like they're a loser team. They haven't won anything that mattered in forever. Yeah, he won here. But, like, at least fuck Page and, like, have him, like, pull the tights or foot on the road. Like, cheat to win he's a heel he shouldn't be being your biggest one of your biggest baby faces clean in the middle of the ring and just i know I've, i know eventually it probably won't mean anything because page will get his win back but like knowing that was his first loss all year and just, mm-hmm. just it just seemed like ass backwards booking like at least cheat to win You're a heel like don't beat him clean as a she in the middle of the ring that, like you might as well just tap them out at that point
0: No, I get it, and I I know why they did it, and I know, like, the way they went about it, I thought was fine, because, again, he he attacked him beforehand, so he had the advantage in that respect, but uh, it really is more a matter of the aftermath, and I'm sure he will get his win back, but I understand the criticism, though. Um, I I didn't get your thoughts on this, because I thought it was excellent, I didn't know what your thoughts on it were. The parlay, which I don't even know what the fuck that means, but the face-off between the two teams, Inner Circle and pinnacle before next week's Blood and Guts match, which, you know, I hate the Faction Wars, but I gotta give them credit. They've done a great job of building up this feud in a very short span of time. They left me looking forward to the Blood and Guts match next week, and of everything on the show, I thought this was easily the best part. I thought this uh, parlay of sorts, whatever they're calling it, was uh, absolutely excellent.
2: Yeah, I thought it was good. I, I liked the back and forth between the members. I thought, yeah, I, th- I mean, I'm not a big Faction War either. I mean, I think it'll be a good match, so, I mean, I can't really complain, but I mean, I think this is just... The whole faction war is this was just so they could do the Blood and Guts match. Like, Tony Khan's such a fucking WCW mark that he had to get the, uh... Good old war game match in. I mean, there's like... He literally came out of left field like a month ago, and all of a sudden they're going to have this big, big feud. I mean, we'll see. I think the match itself is good. I mean, I, I like most members of Pinnacle and, uh... Of Inner Circle. So I think it should be a good match. Um... So I mean it was what it was, but obviously I'll I'm I'll be very interested to see how it goes next week.
0: If they still wanted to do just in theory, do you think they still could have done the blood and guts, which with Inner Circle and Elite? I know originally that was the plan, but now with the roles reversed, Inner Circle is the baby faces. I I feel like this pinnacle Inner Circle feud. They've done a good job of building it up in the span of six weeks. I don't know if it's worthy of being inside of the fucking. Blood and Guts War Games cage is my thing, because like with the Elite and um, Inner Circle, they had built it up for months since the first Dynamite show and now that would have been five, six months later, so it would have made sense here this feels rushed Um, do you think they could have saved this for down the road for when it could have meant more with those two factions, because now that the Elite are heels, you could have done it then, you could have gone back to Jericho and Omega one of the pay-per-views, like that to me would have made a little more sense than this, again that's merely nitpicking, but I want to see what your thoughts were
2: yeah, but I feel like also at this point, Jericho has cooled off a lot from where he was in that feud last year. Mm. So, I mean, it could have been done, but with the way the story's going with MGF and, and Jericho, it kind of made sense to put them in it. But, I mean, I also would have let it flourish a little bit more. I mean, I would have had the, the pinnacle like, kick their ass at every moment the next like two months and then eventually get the blood and guts match and get over. But I feel like they just kind of rushed it way too quickly.
0: Yeah, no, it's definitely been rushed, and um, in retrospect, I understand why they're not doing it at the pay-per-view, because this is going to be a long match, so <clears throat> they like to get everyone on their shows, so if they really wanted to uh, you know, do it at the pay-per-view, they would be cutting out a couple of matches or have it be like a five-hour show, so maybe devoting mostly most of an episode of Dynamite to it isn't such a bad idea. We'll see how they do it next week, and in clarification from last week, it will not be the full two hours, because we're getting Cody Rhodes and QT Marshall, and we're also getting a Britt Baker match. So, it might be an hour and a half at most. Probably, I would say, an hour between video packages and entrances and the rules and everything else. I imagine it will take up the entire, you know, second hour. So, I'm interested to see how they're going to go about it. Um, but, yeah, we also had another TNT title defense last night between uh, Darby Allen and 10 of the Dark Order. Good match, but I didn't like how they ended the show the exact same way they did the week before with Scorpio and Ethan Page coming out. And I hate, I fucking hate, dude, the show closing brawls. I, I just, they need to stop doing that. It's so lazy.
2: Oh, I mean, it's every week now. Like I said, it literally was like a spitting image of last week's finish. Yeah, just take yeah. out Jungle
0: Boy and put in Um 10 instead.
2: Yeah, I really, and it's the worst part of it. If it was interesting, okay, I, I really don't care. Like, I do not care that Ethan Page and Scorpio Sky are now like, these heels that are teaming. I like Darby, but, like, I mean... You can't book anything better for the guy. I mean, now he's feuding with this like makeshift tag team. Why? Like why? There's no real like. I don't understand why they're a tag team. I don't understand why they're going off the derby. Like it's just lazy booking, and I just feel like the story was there with him and Archer. Like that's what they were teasing at first, but now like they're gonna team. I mean, (laughs) so I. I don't know, and I really don't
0: care. Yo, I was going to say, so where do you think this is going? Because Archer's involved in the mix, too. You would think Alan and and Sting versus Scorpio and Ethan is the next step, but where does Archer fit in all of this? Is Sting versus Archer really going to be the pay-per-view match? Like, I love Archer, but I feel like he would kill Sting if they actually faced off.
2: No, I, I think it's going to be Archer and Darby versus Paige and Paige and uh, Scorpio. I mean, I do not need to see Sting versus Archer. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: Unless Archer's in there ending his career a la like not legit like like Seth Rollins six years ago but like in storyline if that's the last match he has and he just murders him and that's the end of the match that's the end of his career in AEW then maybe but clearly he's just getting started does Sting really need to be on the show every fucking week at this point like
2: Was I he just, was on the show last night? Yeah he know. was in
0: he was in Allen's Corner it's like oh it's Sting like just I don't feel like he needs to be out there. I hate how in every match they have to have someone in their corner. Sting has to be in Darby Allen's corner, and the entire Dark Order has to be in Ten's corner. Like, is that really necessary? Why can't they just have a standard singles match? Can't. I hate it. They need to get everyone on the show. I I don't like it at all. Oh, I mean, man.
2: that's just the way it is. I mean, yeah. I, I wouldn't do it like that, but that's what they do. I I think they. They think the more people involved, it's better and like makes more people important. But I, I mean, I feel like with anything, especially with someone like Sting, like if he's on the show every week, he just seems less important than already. Like he just seems less important. It doesn't seem like a big deal. That's like saying like Brock Lesnar like on TV every week, accompanying like I don't fucking know fucking Cesaro. If you just like standing at ringside with Cesaro every week, like would anyone care? No. Yeah.
0: Exactly. That's the like, problem. Like,
2: are going to fucking use him, or is he just going to be a big loser? <laughs> just overexposure. Uh, like, like, it's different. Like, Sting is, like, over the hill at this point. It's like, he really shouldn't be wrestling, but, like, he is getting physical. Uh, I don't really know. I, I mean, just... he is getting
0: physical. He's not doing nothing, but still, I just don't feel like... If, if you... Let's, let's put it this way. If you took him out of this match, you took him off the show, it would not be any better or worse.
2: No, exactly. It'd be what it is.
0: Exactly. I just don't understand it. Um... But yeah, the only other thing I didn't like about the show, we got the return of Cody Rhodes, which is great. People probably forgot that he was even gone for a couple weeks. But we're getting Cody and QT Marshall next week. And it, it's the exact, it's like a spitting, you said spitting image, like I say the exact opposite. It's like a, a just the exact 180 from the pinnacle um, inner circle stuff where it's the exact opposite. And that they have done absolutely nothing to get me invested in this feud. I don't care about the faction wars, but... I've gotten invested in in that one. This one, I could not give two shits. I just don't care. Um, They had the QT Marshall trio go over last night. Honestly, dude, who could possibly care? This is just one giant waste of time, and it feels incredibly beneath Cody Rhodes. This is like if the current Cody Rhodes incarnation, in this carnation, out of Stardust or whatever, was in WWE working on main event against fucking Humberto Carrillo. Like That's what this feels like to me.
2: Come on! Factory vs. <laughs> nightmares! can't wait. So pumped for him and QT. It's going to be great. Um, I just honestly don't care. I as well. Um, I can't even fake being happy. I mean, it is what it is. I mean, QT might need to get his eyes checked. I mean, I, I don't understand how he didn't see Cody. I mean, even Tony Schiavone called it before he even came out. He's like, who's standing in the doorway? Like, clearly it was Cody. You could tell a mile away it was Cody. Mm-hmm. Um, I just... QT is just not interesting at all. I, I I don't think he's really that good either. He's just kind of a bland, good guy. Good, decent wrestler. But, I mean, are we supposed to take him seriously? Like, if anything, the only person you should take seriously is fucking Anthony Agogo, And he disappeared. At, like, it's weird with him. Like, they have him come out. He does, like, some, like, does these fucking gut punches, whatever. Does his damage. Then after the match, the other two guys start fighting, like fighting off everyone. He just disappears. He's nowhere <laughs> to be found. They like—is that like them protecting him? Like just like, all right, run to the back now because like you got to do something else. Like all of a sudden, Billy Gunn's kids come running out of the tunnel. Like
0: <laughs> no, that was like, so dumb.
2: Like I don't get it. Like it's just so much smoke and mirrors. It's classic Cody Rhodes. He thinks he's Dusty, and it just—it's <laughs> <laughs> awful. It's terrible. I don't like it. It's not interesting. And it's just, aw- it's
0: just awful. I love Cody, but I do agree with some of the smoke and mirrors stuff. Like, sometimes it works. It either really, really works or it's just downright dumb. Like, if he's booking these segments where, like, the gun club is coming out halfway through from the tunnel, not even from the crowd, then this is just pure shit. Like, him coming out with the 10-minute entrance is garbage, too. Uh, I just don't care about this feud. I guess this is his way of trying to elevate QT Marshall. I I guess it's not going to work. They're having a match next week, as I mentioned. I'm glad they're doing it next week on TV and not at the pay-per-view. Do you think Cody and a go-go is what they're going for here at the show? Because I would highly doubt they do an AEW pay-per-view without Cody Rhodes on it.
2: Yeah, I I mean, I guess, like I said, they are building up a go-go as this big devastator, but, I mean... If, what's he he's gonna punch everyone in the gut and that's it like can the guy even go in the ring like i don't even know so we'll, <laughs> we'll see what happens but i mean i i i know i'm not clamoring for the dustin Rhodes versus uh, nick camarada bullrope match i mean i know that's definitely gonna come out
0: but <laughs> that's definitely coming
2: and to say i'm not interested is very uh it's very under, like, it's like the Bunkhouse match. Like, I literally don't
0: care. Yeah, I mean, that was a good match, and I honestly think this could be decent, too. I like Camarado, Dustin's been doing some good stuff, but the feud itself, I just could not give two shits. Um, yeah, I-, I don't know. I don't know what this whole Cody thing. He's trying to elevate Gogo, Maybe that could work. I would highly doubt they don't have Cody on the show. Anything is better than Paul White coming to Cody's aid, and <laughs> it's knockout punch versus knockout punch. How, how-, how far down the oh. line do you think we're going to be getting that match? <laughs>
2: <laughs> I am that. I almost just threw up oh my god I do not need to see that
0: oh god yeah this whole thing just sucks it's just a massive waste of time and it's uh I don't know it's a classic case of like oh the brawls and all this other shit and gotta get everyone on the show oh, it's Aaron Solo Bailey's ex-boyfriend like who cares they didn't say that but like that's all I can think of when I see the guy cuz he's just so utterly forgettable. If you put anyone else in, in, in Aaron Solo's spot, I probably wouldn't, you know, I just I wouldn't it wouldn't make much of a difference cuz the guy's completely forgettable. Oh, man, yeah, that was terrible. he
2: definitely sticks out like a sore thumb as, like, the guy in the group that, like, no one cares about.
0: No one gives a shit about this He's guy. He's like the
2: Sean Spears of the pinnacle. Like,
0: <laughs> At least Sean Spears has some more credibility. And by the way, how accurate was that line from Sammy Var about how he was a failure so far in AEW, and he was a failure where he worked before that, though?
2: Ugh, oh, truth or statement, couldn't have been told. <laughs> I like Sean Spears, but, jeesh. Came in, like, a bat out of hell, and you know, crap Cody in the head with a chair. They're like, okay, like okay, may, maybe they'll get a decent run. And the guy's been a fucking flop and a half. <laughs> Gave him the glove thing on Dark. They put him with Tully, did nothing. Now he's in this group. Eventually when they break up, what are you gonna do? Like it's like nice that he's doing something now, but it's just like once they break up, he'll be exactly where he was before. You'd
0: be wrestling Joey Janela on Dark again.
2: Oh, God, that's awful.
0: The thing with Spears is that the guy's not bad, but I feel like he's not overly interesting just in general. So if he's the type of guy that you give him the right gimmick or the right push, then he can be interesting. Like, the Cody Rhodes feud was interesting. I like the 10 stuff, obviously, in WWE, but because the push is... I don't honestly think it's a fault of Sean Spears, but he needs the right booking. He has not been booked well in AEW. He wasn't booked well towards the end there in WWE, and it's at a point now where he just—I just don't care. I think he's reached to me Jake Hager territory, where it doesn't matter what they do with him. I just don't care.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, eh, I Jake Hager's like, a
0: little different though. He also just isn't very interesting all, either. He's,
2: he's as boring as my wallpaper, and it's white. <laughs> um, the issue with Spears, I just feel like even like the whole ten thing, like he was extremely over, and I, I just. I just feel like he's a good, he's good. I just, like you said, without, without like, a decent character, he just kind of just bland and boring. He's kind of, I would say probably, he reminds me a lot of Roderick Strong. I mean, I think Roddy's a lot better in the ring. But, like, I, I love Roderick Strong, but I just feel like he's just a good wrestler. Like, there's nothing interesting about him. So, like, putting him in an under era, yeah, that definitely helped him. But, like, now that he's on his own, I just, I mean, why, why should I care about him?
0: Yeah, no, I just don't care. And putting Tully with them, I mean, clearly Tully's more, you know, infatuated with FTR and now even MGF at this point than he is Sean Spears. So can't say I blame the guy. Uh, One more thing, I forgot to get your thoughts, and I'm sure you hated it. I loved it. I not loved it, but I thoroughly enjoyed it at least. Uh, Need to get your thoughts on Orange Cassidy and Penta El Zero Miedo. What were your thoughts on that match? Is that a
2: serious question? I I watched it and said... (laughs) pentagon i watched it and said i can't believe this guy beat chris jericho twice (laughs) i said how do people like pentagon jr he is not good
0: not good penta are you talking about orange cassidy or penta is not good
2: i honestly do not see the appeal of penta i'm honestly over penta i think wow just a fucking indie rific luchador that's all he is i i don't see the i've Never really understood it, and now the more and more I see him, the more I'm just like I don't care about him at all. I don't think he's that good. Don't really see the appeal of him. He's a fucking goof.
0: You're more of a Phoenix yeah. guy.
2: I I do like Phoenix. I mean, he can clean up his act a little bit, but I like Phoenix. <laughs> but no, I just I don't know. I just feel like that first minute, like him like doing the stupid fucking glove thing and pockets, putting his hands in his pockets. I'm like, dude, just be the. Sh-. <laughs> I have more. I have better stuff to do in my life than do this. So. I, I, it is what it is. I'm not his biggest fan. Um, it is what it is. I guess. Yeah. I was also can uh, AEW realize that not every six man tag is a trios match. Like when did it become lucha libre? Right now?
0: No, that's a good they, point. Isn't a trios match? They're like tornado that match rolls. Is a
2: trios match? No, it's not.
0: No, it's an, isn't it a trios match when there's no tags and shit. It's tornado rolls, isn't it? Oh, no, it's so. a,
2: it, well, that's it. Just it comes from lucha libre, but yeah. I mean. Oh, a trios match between the Factory and Cody Rhodes. Brought, like, no, it's not a trios match. <laughs> <laughs> and, all right,
0: fucking they, Marks. They're trying to make it sound more interesting than it actually is. So, yeah, no, I, I understand in that case. Uh, we also had quickly, I forgot about this too, Young Bucks beating the Seidel brothers. I thought it was a good match. Um, we are getting SCU and Young Bucks soon. This has got to be the end of SCU, isn't it?
2: Sure, I don't know. I, I zip through that. I had better things to do. Zip through that. Don't I care about Jackson Towson right now. Balls, and I said, okay. <laughs> I yeah, I don't care. And like the Seidel brothers, yeah, who cares? I don't know. Just not a big fan of theirs either. They're just kind of there.
0: Vox or SCU like, or both.
2: All three. I mean, they're all uninteresting. Yeah. I mean, I like I think ECU is good in the ring, but like, I mean, hindsight, Harry, they definitely. Uh, Lucha Bros definitely should have won the tag team title, like, when they... First,
0: yeah.
2: Easily! (laughs) like, fine for what they were, whatever, but it is so... Like, I honestly forgot that they won the championships first. Like, I totally (laughs) forgot that. And then, like, they showed up last night, and I was like, oh, yeah, they won the tag team championships. Even, like, even though I'm not the biggest fan of Chuck, I even think Best Friends should have won it before them. I just... I mean, also, why are, they, why are they saying Trent,
0: like, with the question mark at the end? That's... <laughs> he's, he's spelled his name that way in the Indies forever now, so that's why they do it. I think it's stupid, but that's why they do it, though. Trent? <laughs> like, Trent? Are you not sure name's
2: Trent? Like, that's just fucking stupid, That's why though. Justin
0: Roberts goes. He's from wherever from for Orange Cassidy. I, I like Justin Roberts a lot, but he goes a little over the top sometimes with, like, John! like he just freaks out, like <laughs> stop or like <laughs> Ray. like he does like fucking, like ten minutes.
2: Every now says John Moxley, I think he's gonna have a fucking hernia. <laughs> okay, he's fucking screaming out of his mind. But he he stresses it
0: for like ten minutes before he finally gets to it. Like if you want to you go John Moxley, like I get that, but like for Ray Phoenix, he goes <laughs> over like ten minutes. It's like dude, just <laughs> say it, just stop. <laughs> Like I love, I I think it gets a little too much freedom sometimes. You gotta rein those people back in sometimes. Like WWE ain't wrong with that shit at certain points. That's why they have like <laughs> restrictions with what these people say and do, because it's well,
2: Good stuff.
0: <laughs> love it, brother. Well, any more thoughts before we wind down here?
2: I got nothing. I mean, draft tonight. I know GSM's gonna be wearing Patrick Mahomes jerseys. <laughs> I,
0: I will be. be. <laughs> I'll be tweeting my two cents on Twitter. I look forward to it. Um, I'll let you know what my thoughts are as I watch it tonight. Side by side with impact. Kenny Omega on the show is celebrating his newly won championship. So I'll be looking forward to that as well. But, uh, Yeah, Mr. Marceau, this has been great as always. Uh, People can check out the show every single Thursday on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, iHeartRadio, Podbean, and Google Play, WrestleRant.com, WrestleRantRadio.com. Rate the show, review the show, subscribe to the show, and never miss an episode on Thursdays. Uh, I don't think there's anything special coming up next week aside from thoughts on blood and guts. We'll get to that next week here on the show, but other than that, Mr. Marceau, take care, and I'll catch your ass down the road.
2: Sounds good. See you later, GSM.
0: See you, brother.